um, I had to laugh because Tony said that we could put the pulpit up here on the top instead of down below. Anyway, I'm not making fun of Tony, um, sort of. Um, welcome, so glad that you're here. My name is Pastor Stan Lubeck and uh, uh, moved here about a year and a half ago. And uh, uh, I coach pastors and missionaries, so I get to do that around the world, uh, primarily over Zoom. And I uh, told my wife, we can live anywhere because I can connect with people over Zoom. I couldn't have done this, done this 10 years ago, but now, you know, you can connect with people and minister to them and encourage them over a Zoom call. So why not live in an inclined village, right? Isn't this the greatest place to live, right? So I put a uh, Band-Aid on each one of your chairs. So this is my gift to you. And uh, so don't pull it off too hard because, I mean, you know, it causes pain. But we're going to talk about pain today. And we're going to look at the life of Jesus because Jesus knows what he's talking about when he's talking about pain. You know, pain is that equal opportunity offender. We all deal with it. Amen? Verily, verily. Right? Okay. Uh, and, uh, um, and so the title of our message today is The Safest Place on Earth. And, you know, we live in a, in a day today where there's pain everywhere. We have the pandemic that is on every continent. We have war in Ukraine. We have North Korea always threatening some kind of nuclear missile they're going to launch. Um, everywhere you go, there's pain. And so I felt like, you know, as, as Tony is doing this message on, uh, through the series of Psalms, the Psalms is awesome because it's, it's, it's raw, truthful reality of how we feel and our emotions and how we deal with pain. And I will say to you that how you deal with pain or don't deal with pain tells me more about you than you will ever know. Because we all deal with it. And if you haven't dealt with pain, we're so happy for you. <laughs> because sooner or later, you're going to deal with it. We all have to deal with it. And so where do we go? What do we do? How do we function? And I've been in ministry 45 years. I know I look a lot younger than that. <laughs> but there isn't much that I haven't seen. And so uh, I've been a senior pastor. I've been an executive pastor. I've been a youth pastor. And, uh, and now I primarily coach pastors and missionaries uh, to encourage them to be a voice that they can talk to and get feedback from that's safe. I want them to know that they're safe and it's confidential and, and they can trust me. And, uh, and I love Tony Slavin. I mean, he is a wonderful man of God. He loves the word of God. He loves you. He loves this church. And, uh, you know, this transition is not going to be easy for him. You know, so pray for him. Right now he's in Colorado with his family, which I'm so excited he could do that. And, uh, and I just trust that today uh, God might use me to minister to you, to the people that he loves so much. And so how do you deal with pain? Uh, any of you remember the Rocky series of movies? In Rocky Three, there was a great theologian 
by the name of Clever Lang, Mr. T. And he was getting ready to fight Rocky. And the interviewer was asking him, well, what, what do you predict in this fight? And he looked in the camera and he said, I predict pain. <laughs> do you remember that? Wasn't that just a classic? I mean, that, that's good theology. You see, Jesus actually said, in this world, you will suffer what? Pain, tribulation. So why are we surprised? And yet in our world today, you know, the number one reason why people reject God is because they've experienced pain and they don't know how to process it or what to do with it or why. Why me? They get in a fetal position, right? And say, why me? Like little children, isn't that what they do? And yet God knows that we're in pain. Pain came in from the beginning through sin, right? And Satan loves to hang around pain and blame God for it and tell us to, to move away from the one that can help us the most in our pain and the one who understands our pain, which is Jesus himself. So we're going to learn about how Jesus dealt with pain. And, you know, C.S. Lewis, some of you may be seeing this quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, we can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You see, for many people, when life's going good, it's like, I don't need God. I, I got this. But it's in our pain that we begin to realize that we don't make good gods of our own lives, do we? And we need help. And we need God. And so, in essence, life is full of personal pain. Last year I coached, I do this online coaching. This pastor wanted to hire me to move down to the Central Valley in Elk Grove. And I said, ah, I kind of like living in Incline Village, you know. And, 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 and I said, I tell you what, I'll be your virtual executive pastor. I'll meet with all of your staff online, help them set goals. I'll help them move forward until you hire a physical guy that's willing to live in the Central Valley where it's 110 degrees or whatever it is. And so we did that. And uh, so I coached their staff. And, man, it was amazing. It was fun. And then my friend, 52 years old, got COVID. 52 years old. Running this church of about 800. He got COVID and he died. Yeah. Wonderful wife. Great man of God. Three teenage sons. Pain, pain, pain. What do you say at a time like that? How do you minister? I, he had an amazing memorial service in Elk Grove, and then he had another one down in Southern California in Chatsworth. I went to both of them. And you know what? The Bible says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In other words, God said, okay, Dave, you finished your race. Come on up to heaven. See, Dave... We shouldn't feel sorry for Dave. He feels sorry for us because he's in heaven, no longer limited. Now, I'm selfish. I wanted Dave to be here longer. 
And his, his wife, I'm sure, wanted him to be here. No question. But you know what? The fatality rate in our world today is still hovering right at around 100%. Have you noticed that? Okay. In other words, none of us are getting out of here. All of us have an appointment where, you know, we're doing this dash and soon it'll be over with. And so we make the most of this assignment that God has for us. There's no guarantee, right, for any of us. We could get hit by a car. And so pain is common to our world. But, um, you know, I think I'm going to put it up on the scripture. Uh, you know, John 16:33 says this. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. He wasn't quoting Clubber Lang, okay? He said this first, right? But it's the same thing. In this world, there's pain. But look at what Jesus says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. This is not all that there is, right? This is just a snapshot compared to eternity, right? And so our time here, we don't know, but we just report for duty and say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. So what is the safest place on earth? I believe the safest place on earth is that posture of submission where we just say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. In fact, that's what true prayer is, isn't it? Prayer isn't saying, God, this is what I want. I want, you know, a big car, and I want a, you know, electric vehicle, and I want a big house and on the hill, and I want to live in Incline Village. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's really saying, Lord, it's not about me, it's about you. And so I come with open hands to say, Lord, this is what I'd like. It's okay to pray for healing. It's okay to pray for blessing. It's okay to pray that way. But at the end of the day, God doesn't own, owe us anything, does he? We're just beggars telling other beggars where to find food, that he's our provider. And, and he, 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 he is the miracle worker. And he is the great physician. And so ask, but sometimes God has a different assignment for us. Sometimes God wants us to go through the pain, not just avoid the pain. And I believe that there are people in this room today that are experiencing pain. And I pray that this message would be encouraging to you. And at first it's going to kind of go down a little bit, this message, and you're going to go, oh, thanks, Dan. You know, but I promise you it's going to get better, all right, as we go along. Can I say that? I hope. But Psalm 22.1, Jesus quotes Psalm 22.1. That says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said that on the cross. He's quoting the psalmist. That's why I'm saying, as, as Tony comes back, he's in Colorado right now with his family, pray for him. But when he comes back, he's going to preach on Psalm 51, one of the greatest psalms on rest, uh, restoration and reconciliation with God. And so I'm looking forward to him coming back and preaching that message because it's a great one. But, but this issue here is, here the intimate one, the one whose daddy is God the Father, right? Jesus is God the Son, and he is saying this is the first time Jesus has ever been separated from the Father. He's in pain, and he's quoting the Psalms. Why? Because he knows the Psalms. 
And in Matthew 27, 46, it says about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why? So he's quoting Psalms. So what we're learning here, if we're to learn what it means to be in the safest place on earth in this crazy world with wars, war in Ukraine, you know, all kinds of conflict, China threatening Taiwan, I mean, you know, Read the news. Watch the news. If it bleeds, it leads, right? I mean, that's what our news is all about. It's like, <sighs> so what do you do with the pain? What do you do with what you see in the news every day? I believe that the safest place on earth is simply a place of submission to Jesus. I like to tell people that my primary job as a pastor or as a person is to be filled overflowing with the fullness of Jesus every day and then spill out onto others. Right? And I'm not God, but God can use me. And the Bible promises that, that Jesus is in me and he wants to use me. Isn't that an amazing thing? That's incredible. And so... We're going to learn about that, okay? So what are the sources of pain? I'm going to do this rather quickly, okay? What are the sources of pain and disappointment? First of all, the pain of our fallen nature. Have you noticed when people continue to say, why is all this crazy stuff happening? Why do we have terrorists and we have, you know, people shooting people and schools violence and, and, and protests and corruption and greed? You know, who can feel safe from the scourge of human cussedness, right? Isn't that what we see? I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have, not have to lock our doors at night? Or worry about somebody stealing our catalytic converter? That happened to my daughter the other day, so I had to put that in there. She said, Dad, this van, it just sounds so loud. Oh, I think I know. But that's down the hill. That wasn't here in Incline. So, but right, turn on the TV every day, hurting people hurt people. And what's our greatest need? A changed heart. The heart of the matter is always a matter of the heart. Why do people hurt other people? Because they're hurt and they haven't found a solution. Then there's the pain caused by fallen leaders. We've all seen that corrupt dictators, corporate power mongers. Russia, Afghanistan, Turkey, Iraq, Iran, North Korea, Venezuela, United States too. Have you noticed that? We are in there. In Africa, they have all the resources that they need in Africa. I've been to Africa a bunch of times. They have all the resources that they need. You know what the problem of Africa, why they're still in the dark ages? One, colonialism. You ever been to England and see all the riches that got taken there? Uh, but also corrupt leaders. In other words, they have everything that they need, but it's a leadership problem. We have bad leaders here too, right? Bernie Madoff only took off with $10 billion, right? I mean, he was chairman of the board of Wall Street. Couldn't you trust that guy, you know? So pain, leaders. And the church hasn't avoided it either, have we? We still have wolves in sheep's clothing. They make it in the news all the time. So, you know, the problem of leadership is great. As the leaders go, so goes any ministry, any business, any school. 
And so we need to pay attention. How do we raise up leaders with character? I believe that's what the church should be doing more than anybody else. We have the potential of raising up godly leaders to make a difference in our world. But um, pain of, caused by physical suffering, cancer, disease, coronavirus, disabilities, handicaps. Who doesn't have a friend that's had to go under the knife again and again and again? And it just gets weary, doesn't it? Teens continued to experience the pain called adolescence. And now they've got to do it in isolation. I mean, how, I mean, so as parents, many of you are asking, how do I help my kids go through this tunnel of adolescence in a healthy way when they're forced to be isolated from others? It's, it's a challenge, isn't it? But physical suffering is difficult. Then the pain caused by failed relationships. You know, if you've gone through divorce, it's, you know the pain of that. The, the one that you love the most is now hurting you the worst, and it goes on and on. Especially if you have kids, you've got to shuttle back and forth. And then there's families, you know, mothers and fathers and sons and daughters and brothers and sisters that don't talk to each other anymore because they offended each other, and so the pain just drives them away. And so Christmas and Thanksgiving becomes the time where more people commit suicide than any other time of the year. Isn't that crazy? And so what I'm trying to say is, is you know, the sources of pain are probably endless. And, and I don't think pain has not touched one of us in this room. But, you know, I, I long for that that promise that God gives of unconditional love where, where we're loving each other just because. You don't have to do the dance to get my love. It's called unconditional love. I love you 100%. Why? Because God has loved me 100%. And that's how it works. It's not, well, I gave my 50%. Where's your 50%? That never works. Who's the judge? And so this is how marriage works, by the way. When we love our spouse 100% and they love us back 100%, it's amazing how it works. It's called unconditional love. I want that kind. I don't want the world's love that says I have to perform, I have to measure up, you know, people judging whether or not I'm acceptable. That's not the kind of love. You see, God loves us, period. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. But we live in a world where there's lots of pain. We having fun yet? I promise you it'll get better. Some of you today are nostril deep in pain and disappointment today. You come here sucking air. I've got some good news for you. You're in the right place. So options for dealing with pain. Real quickly, some, they just deny they have pain. And I call this the theme song of many churches today. Victory through denial, my Savior. You ever sang that one? I know I ruined it for you. My singing, that's what ruined it. But, but right, we just deny. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm just doing great. I heard you got a divorce. Well, yeah, but I'm doing great. I mean, denial. Let's be honest. Others pretend it's common cold of Christianity. I'll just pretend that life is wonderful in the neighborhood. Others of us trivialize it. My pain isn't so bad. Others have it worst. Yeah, but your pain is your pain. It's okay to own it and to be honest about it. Bitterness, 
Some people just get bitter and, you know, I like to say as I'm trying to help people, sometimes people are like a dog that's been run over in the street. You ever try to help a dog that's been run over in the street? The thing bites you. Say, hey, I'm trying to help you and you're biting me. Well, sometimes people are in so much pain, they don't know who their friend is and they end up biting us. And we still need to have compassion and care and concern for them. Because you know what? Sometimes we're in that place. But, you know, bitterness and anger, eventually, if, it, you know, if, if people don't deal with it, it can turn inward and they commit suicide. That's, that's just hatred and anger turn inward. And then some medicate it, right? We see this today. Some it's pornography. Some it's alcohol. Some of it's hard drugs. Some it's just keeping busy, thinking if we just skate along the surface and we don't have to deal with any problems, you know, some parents, that's their solution. I'm going to have my kids in 100 sports leagues, you know, that way they're so busy. Well, it's still a medication of choice. It's avoiding reality. So how did Jesus deal with pain? Okay, we're going to jump into this. Uh, and I want us to stand and read this together. Can we do that? Would you stand up? Okay. In honor of God's word, Matthew 26 through 46. And you can speak out loud or you could do it silently, however you'd like. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is so sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Next slide. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is, willing, is indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his scripture. So, in a parallel passage in Mark 14, 34, he said, Jesus said to them, my soul is so sorrowful even to death, even to death. So what he's saying here is that Jesus' sorrow was so deep, it could have killed him. That's, that's what it's saying. It could have killed him. I mean, that's how deep and heavy this sorrow was. Luke 2244, put it up on the screen, says, And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. So he, it, there's so much pressure and so much stress that he was dealing with that he literally sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was a messy place. It was a scary place. 
And you can imagine Jesus just under this pressure. And he's saying to his garden friends, hey, pray for me. Snore, snore, snore. Then he comes back, pray for me. Snore, snore, snore. Again, a third time. Snore, snore, snore. His garden friends fail. So we're, we're going to look at just a few quick things. But here's what we need to know. Jesus was 100% God, but he's also 100% man. We don't often deal with the humanness of Jesus very well. But this passage deals with the humanness of Jesus in a powerful way. In Hebrews 4.15, says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications and loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey. So I cannot fully comprehend the pain that Jesus was going through. But I will say this. For him, he was the intimate one who was being separated from his father for the first time. He was the victorious one who was becoming the victim for our sin. He was taking the full bull of the wrath of God on himself for our sin. That's why he's sweating drops of blood. Before this, Jesus was a rock star everywhere he went. Dealt with the Pharisees. He taught. I mean, he was in power. Satan tried to tempt him. Quoted scripture. Dealt with him. But here we see Jesus in his humanness where he's sorrowful to the point of death. So, quickly, what do we learn from Jesus? One, the first thing. I think we got up here. Jesus acknowledged and expressed his pain out loud with a few close friends. Okay? He mourned. He dealt with his pain squarely. He recoiled at the horror of the cross he was failing. In fact, when we use the word excruciating, that word is really meant for Jesus on the cross because it's, it's the crucifix. You know, when we say, ah, oh, it's excruciating pain, it's dealing with the same word that's used for Jesus' pain on the cross. So Jesus acknowledged it. And I don't do this very well, you know. I just kind of, oh, I'm okay, or I kind of downplay it. But Jesus acknowledged it and expressed it out loud, sweating great, great drops of blood. And I believe that the church should be the place where we can share unsafe things. It should be a place where we can be honest and express. When we're in pain, we should be able to express it. And sometimes it's scary because it's messy and it's bloody and people don't know what to do. And sometimes they say, oh, you go to that church, the church of the open sore. Well, you know what? I'd rather be a part of the church of the open sore than the fastest growing church in the world if we're honest and transparent. And you know, I'm on the prayer list for the church, and I love Haika, and I love all the prayer that's going on, and I know the ministry that goes on behind the scenes and the finances that are given to help people that are in need. You're an amazing church. This is a great place to be. 
And because that's the way it should be, where we can pray for each other and be honest and not just say, well, I don't want anybody to know my, my issues. Well, we all got issues. On the pickleball court, I like to say we're all junior hires on the inside, you know. We're just insecure people, you know. People's self-image is based upon whether they won or lost, you know. So, oh, sorry, you know. <laughs> we had two men literally get in a, they had to be like in the NBA when they grab players and they pull them off. We had that on the pickleball court in the Incline Village. <laughs> So why don't you come join us, <laughs> okay? <laughs> we need some referees. MMA. Jesus asked a few friends to come into his garden of pain. He asked a few friends to come into his garden of pain. Not as his primary support, but as his secondary support. Peter, James, John, come on in. Come be in my garden of pain. You know, everyone was not invited. Jesus didn't just say, hey, everybody want to come? We're going to have a party in the Garden of Gethsemane. No, it was Peter, James, and John. You're my garden friends. I want you to be here with me as I go through the deepest pain I've ever been through. That's why my question for you is, who, who would you invite? Who are your garden friends? Maybe you take this Band-Aid and, and give it to that person and say, you know what? You're one of my garden friends. I was having this conversation with my wife. It's like, you know... Who are our garden friends? Who, who are my garden friends that I could be honest with when I'm going through deep pain? Do they know it? Be a great encouragement to tell them. That's why I love coaching pastors. Sometimes pastors, they're going through pain, but who do they talk to? Who is it safe? It's not always safe. You know, if you come in on Monday and say, I feel like quitting, well, the board might fire them right there. You know, I mean, it's not safe. So I love being a coach to pastors because, you know, uh, it's confidential, and I can walk them off the cliff, you know, <laughs> if I can, and help them. So Jesus just asked a few into his garden of pain. Now, I have a few, just real quick, cautions. Uh, you don't know how much you need others until something goes wrong. So who will be there for you? But the first caution is this. Be careful that your friends... Be careful that your friends do not become your primary support system. If you allow that to happen, some of you may be from the South. It's, it's a phrase, Carrie will probably appreciate this. It's called two ticks and no dog. <laughs> Carrie will explain it to you later. You see, if we're just trying to fix each other, and, and we think, oh, people let me down, people at the church, you know, I had this issue, and they didn't fix it for me. Well... God didn't put people on this earth to take his place. We need to get what we need from him. And yes, we need each other, but be careful not to try to get out of people what only God wants to give you or you'll be frustrated. That's why sometimes in small groups people are like, well, I thought this small group was going to be here for me, you know, my personal therapist. No, that's not what small groups are for. Small groups are to help each other to focus on Jesus and receive from him. He's the chief shepherd. We're just under shepherds. Caution two, beware of trying to take friends into your garden of pain that don't want to be there. Jesus didn't invite his family. Some of you have been probably frustrated about, I'm in pain and my family hasn't even called. Yeah? 
fantasy sometimes that our family would be there for us. Disappointment, frustration. But Jesus had Peter, James, and John, not even family members, that he invited into this garden of pain. And for some of you, you wonder, well, how come nobody's coming into my garden of pain? Well, could be that your method of communicating is withdraw, withdraw. You're always the one talking about pain and trying to drag people into your garden of pain, but you're never there for them when they need a friend. To, so it, it needs to be both. Be a garden friend and receive from garden friends. Um, third one is kind of hard. You must say no to someone who asks you to come into your garden of pain and you know that you're not supposed to be there. Some of you are in 100 people's gardens of pain and you're giving, 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 but I can tell you you're empty because you have no boundaries. And there are some pastors I know, it's like, you know, they care for everybody and they're just giving and giving, but sometimes they're angry and bitter on the inside because they just have given and they haven't been able to receive. And I, I like to say that, you know, the pastor's job is not to care for everybody. The pastor's job is to make sure that everybody's cared for and, you know, network and, and all that. But pastors are just people. We're not the miracle worker. Fourth thing is on the very best day, garden friends will fail you. So would you turn to the person next to you and look them in the eye and say, on the very best day, you're going to fail me. You do that? Doesn't that feel good? You know, Jesus was like, hey, pray for me, guys. This is my hardest day of my life. Snore, 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 snore. And he didn't, he didn't say, you bunch of losers. I'm the son of God. I'm going through this tough time and you guys are sleeping. He didn't do that. You see, when my garden friends fail me, I need to have class and character and forgive and, and love them because I know that I'm not getting my primary support from them. I'm getting it from my heavenly father. I can't begin to tell you how important that is. Okay. And then I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute. Jesus poured his heart out to his primary support system, his father. In prayer, he called out, Father, I am in pain. If it is possible for this cup to pass, let it pass. I am in pain, Daddy. If there's any other way for people to be saved, I don't want to have to go to the cross. And I like to say this is one of the most evangelistic passages in the scripture because when people say, oh, there's lots of ways to get to God. Jesus isn't one of the other. Well, then this is the most horrific thing that the father asked Jesus to do if it wasn't really necessary. But Jesus said, if this is what's required, if I need to shed my blood so that people might be saved, then so be it. So Jesus received what he needed from the father. So he could go through the pain. Number four, right? His father gave him what he needed to go through the pain. Luke says, and there appeared to him an angel. So God the Father sent him an angel because that's what he needed from heaven, strengthening him. Matthew 26, 46, Jesus says, this last verse here, he says, rise, let us be going, my betrayer's hand. In other words, Jesus received what he needed, his marching orders, and he said, okay, I'm ready to go. Come on, you guys. I got to deal with my betrayer, this backstabber Judas. <laughs> you know, I just washed his feet, you know, but I don't think Jesus said it like that. 
He just said, Lord, I'm reporting for duty. And I'm ready to go. Why? Because he received what he needed. What happened to the disciples? They failed. They denied. They ran. They scattered. Why? Because they slept. That's why Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We're all weak. We need a savior. What I have discovered about pain and disappointments is that sometimes God's way of escape is through the pain. Some of you know 1 Corinthians 10, 13. It says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But he will provide a way of escape. We like that way of escape. I like escapes. But that's not the end of the verse so that you might be able to endure. Sometimes God's way of escape is endurance. My friend Dave Bizard went to my high school, trained for ministry with me, became a worship pastor. Then he got cancer. And he had friends that would say to him, Dave, do you ever ask God why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? He said, nope. I've never asked God that. He said, because this is my assignment from God. He said, cancer is like a pimple. If God wanted to take this cancer away from me, he could pop it like a pimple and be over with it. And it's okay to ask to be healed. But he said, but this is my assignment. He said, I would never choose to go to the hospital. But now I've been there a thousand times. And my car knows how to drive there by itself. And Dave would literally go into the hospital at Christmas time with his guitar, because he's a worship pastor. He'd go in on the key, he'd say, What are you guys all sad about? You're only on chemo, come on, you know. <laughs> and he would sing Christmas carols. And all these people hooked up for chemo are singing Christmas carols. And the nurses are coming in and they're crying. Why? Because Dave Bassard said, This is my assignment. God's strength is made perfect in my way. What do you do with a guy like that? So God used it. I went to his memorial. Unbelievable memorial. I can't begin to tell you. And that's why it's, I love going to memorial services because it inspires me to make the most of my life today. Jesus learned to receive what he needed to go through the pain. He learned it through his whole life. And yeah, Satan likes to hang around and pain and indict and accuse God. And you know what? Sometimes we have an environment in church where we just say, hey, this is a time for us to just say, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. I give you my pain. I give you my disappointment. And all I know is this, that oftentimes our greatest ministry comes through our pain. I'll tell one last story, then I've got to wrap up. Friend of mine got a phone call, and uh, in this phone call, he found out that his 22-year-old daughter wasn't his. He found out that his wife had been unfaithful to him his whole marriage. And they were church tenders. They showed up all the time. He got in a fetal position and wanted to die. And his garden friends gathered around him prayed for him, encouraged him, 
got him reconnected. I got him into a ministry called Divorce Care. And I told him, I said, one day, you're going to be a leader in divorce care. No, I'm not. I'll never overcome this. I'll never. He went through it three times. He said, Stan, there's 30 people in this divorce care, and, and 28 of them are women. And I said, that's because women are bigger sinners. No, I'm just <laughs> Sorry. Tony may never invite me to preach again. I couldn't help it. I got to do his wedding to a wonderful lady, a godly woman, and he said, Stan, I have never experienced true love because my wife being unfaithful before, I never really knew what true, now I'm experiencing true love. And now he's a leader in divorce care. And he says, you know what, everybody goes through the pain of divorce. This is the greatest ministry in the world. Whether people believe in God or not, they all experience pain, and I have an opportunity to minister to them. And that's the way it is. Oftentimes in our pain, it opens doors for the ministry that God has for us. So let's bow our heads. I'm going to pray. Close. Father, thank you that you love us. Thank you that in spite of our human cussedness, our pain, our heartbreak, what we do to one another, that, Lord, you are faithful. And that when we cry out to you, you give us what we need to handle any pain and any disappointment. Because it's not what happens to us, it's what happens in us that matters. And Jesus modeled this for us. And so, Lord, today we want to be receivers. Lord, if you put something in the heart of people today, I just pray for them that they would cry out to you in honesty and transparency and know that you love them and you care for them and you grieve for the pain that they are going through and that they can experience Jesus, the Prince of Peace. In this world we suffer tribulation, but take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. So I just want to encourage you right where you sit to just cry out to God. You can do it quietly, silently. God knows. He hears. The same Lord Jesus who went through the garden of pain is here today. And he's inviting you to ask him in and inviting you to say like him, Lord, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Father, may you bless each one that's here. Thank you that, Lord, we are not alone. And that, Lord, you are alive. And greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We thank you for that claim and that promise. And, Lord, may we realize that, Lord, we cannot do this without your Holy Spirit dwelling in us, ministering to us. As we close the service, Chad's going to come up and lead us in a time of communion. And then I invite you just to continue to pray and receive from your Lord. Amen.